0: This is the Marsh and Mat Show with Marshall
1: Kellner and Matt Gallivan.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Marsh and Matt Show. Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan with you a day in front of the Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions. And uh, Matt, this, uh, this last game against Philadelphia... Not uh, not as positive as week one to say to to put it lightly, uh, really the opposite. Week one we come out feeling like ain't no stopping us now, and then and then week two on Monday night football, just a a, a flop by by the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I have some takes on it that uh, that I'll get your reaction on, but uh, but first just to start off, your your overall reaction to that dud of a Monday night football game.
1: Complete and utter disaster. I, I mean, there there really is not much uh, that you can highlight as a good thing uh, to take away from the game. In some ways, I think that that is beneficial because you just have to look at it, wipe it from your mind and move on to the next game versus uh, trying to find silver linings and things like that. I mean, it was just uh, an all around failure for the team and it just shows that you know why you have to keep why we have to keep in mind that the season is long and that we can't get too caught up as Vikings Twitter tends to do in the peaks and valleys uh, because they're going to be both of those and we gotta you know level off those emotions a little bit because this team was never gonna go 17-0 and or 16-1 and or anything like that so um, we just got to dust ourselves off and uh, win a very important game uh, this weekend.
0: The, yeah, and the other thing is, before I get into these couple takes, uh Philly's pretty damn good. We, we have to acknowledge that as much as it, it pains us to say. Certainly, that has not been a fun place uh, for for the Vikings, um, most notably in the NFC title game in, in 2017. But uh, that team, I think, is better than I thought they were uh, going into the game. Uh, Jalen hurts is a matchup nightmare. Um, I still think there is room to grow with his, uh, with his arm. Um, the, his stats look great and he looked great on Monday night, but there were receivers wide open in the middle of the field all night long without many adjustments being made by the Minnesota Vikings. So, um, I I think still, you know, he's like an upper fifties passer. He needs to get that into the, mid to upper 60s if if he's um, going to take them um, to to a Super Bowl or anything like that but certainly uh, Philly is a tough matchup because those running backs led by Miles Sanders fit perfectly for what they do they're small they're fast and you can't figure out if Hurts or Sanders or whatever running back it is has the ball AJ Brown is perfect for what they do you know they needed that big play wide receiver and they went out and got him their offensive line is one of the best in football. And uh, their defense, you know, is very aggressive. They have some aging guys up front. Uh, Jordan Davis, they hope, is going to progress into a big player for them. Loved him coming out of Georgia. Wanted the Vikings to take a look at him, um, actually. And then I think on the outside, you know, you saw what they can do with their corners. Led by Darius Slay, they can just man you up. And they took away Justin Jefferson in that, in that game. So uh, you, you have to tip your cap to Philadelphia. I think especially in that division with Dak missing some time, they, I I don't see why they don't win that division and win it quite handily and then uh, contend for one of the top spots in the NFC.
1: Yeah, I have to admit, I've been a doubter of Jalen Hurts. um, And he has opened my mind to him being a much better player than I initially thought. Um, You know, I I totally agree with you. You got to tip your cap. But yeah, I mean... We made it look easy for them, uh, and, you know. So it was not just that they're really good. Um, I mean, they just completely out schemed us. It was like they had the answer key to the test, and they were yeah. cheating off of it. And we were, you know, taking a whole different test at a whole different level. Um, you know, so that's the one caveat I would add to the. They're clearly a good team. Is everything that we thought could be a weakness for them that we could exploit. Um, You know, we weren't able to and everything that they thought they could exploit. They did. I mean, it was almost like we came up with a game plan thinking they weren't going to adjust to their perceived weaknesses. And then we're shocked that they did. Um, You know, so it it just, uh, I give them credit. Uh, But again, it's only two games in the season. They almost blew the lead against the lions in week one. So, I mean, you know, they got a long way to go as well. Um, you know, it's a long season. Uh, but hopefully we can use this as a learning lesson to say, if you really want to compete to not only win the division and uh, compete in the playoffs, you've got to be able to go and be competitive against Philly, uh, you know, in a hostile environment on the road. Uh, and we failed that first test.
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if those two teams meet again in the postseason. Uh possibly in Philadelphia. So the, the Vikings may have to see them again down the line if they want to get to where they want to go. Um, I I totally agree with you. the The uh, They came in with a better game plan. Jonathan Gannon, especially on defense, had the Vikings totally uh, discombobulated for, for most of that game. Adam Thielen didn't get targeted until the fourth quarter. K.J. Osborne had very few targets. Dalvin Cook had six carries. And no matter what you think, if you think mike zimmer relied too heavily on dalvin kevin o'connell knows and he has said as much this week he has to get dalvin more involved because that that helps kirk cousins that helps this entire offense and and kirk wasn't at his best in that game um but uh, but i think you're right philadelphia just came in uh better prepared and better executed their game plan
1: it yeah. it's uh, to your point about the game plan. It yeah it was a bit odd because it was almost like we made the decision before the game that Irv Smith was this big matchup problem for the Eagles, and there were a couple of moments. There was obviously the you know the big the well designed play and perfect throw by Kurt. and oh,
0: amazing! Yeah,
1: but it, it was weird. It was yeah, just amazing. But it was weird. How many times, especially early, we seem to be zeroed in on Irv Smith, you know, in a you know five or ten yard, you know, out type of play to try and get the first down where where it was like it, it, it felt like it was the first read um, and what they were going for at the matchup. And it just he was blanketed usually and they did a good job. So I, I there was some stuff with the to your point about the scheming that I, I didn't completely understand. I don't know how much of it was you know, KOC's game plan versus Kirk's execution of it versus, you know, just the progressions of reads. But this, it looked more like a Clint Kubiak called offense uh, with the exception of obviously not running a bunch on second down. than it did KOC's offense in week one.
0: Yeah. And when it comes to Irv too, there was a bizarre play early in the game. Kirk was rolling out to the right and like hit Irv for two yards. And he just said nowhere to go. I don't know why Kirk threw that ball. He could have run for seven or eight yards for the first down. And then later in the game, he almost like forced a run, dove and didn't get the first down. It was Kirk. Kirk was mostly off in that game, but this goes into my first take. And I will say that play that they schemed up to get Irv wide open down the left sideline. That shows you why they do want to get him the ball because he is a matchup problem when he's right. Uh, he, he's not many tight ends in the league have the speed and agility to go down the left sideline and outrun two defensive backs. And he, he was in perfect position to catch that ball and score leading into the locker room. So it, it does lead into my first take, which is there were about five or six plays in that game where if the Vikings make the play, they're right back in the game. And it's a totally different game. Now, I don't know if they win, Uh, Probably not on that night. Everything was going Philly's way. But the first first big one, and maybe the biggest one, was that Irv drop. I mean, they're down by 14 points. They have the ball going into the locker room and have it coming out of the locker room, so they have a chance to double dip. We've talked about that on this show a lot. If you double dip, meaning score going into the locker room, score coming out, it's very tough to beat you. And you look at those two drives in particular, the Vikings – you know, Irv catches that ball. They go in. They're likely only down seven at the half. At the half. Now, Philly got the ball back, and, and the Vikings kind of helped them by calling a late timeout there on a third down. In short, O'Connell trusted his defense. I think he probably would want to have that one back because Philly then got the first down and went on to kick a field goal to go up by 17 instead of 14 at the half. But Irv catches that ball. In all likelihood, it's a seven-point game at the half and then the Vikings have the ball coming out of the locker room chance to tie the game. And despite everything that's gone wrong, you say, okay, let's go. Um, It's a tie ball game. And then in that drive coming out of the locker room, that's when JJ ran the incorrect route in the end zone and didn't cut in front um, of Darius Slay. Slay made a great play, but Jefferson immediately took responsibility on the sidelines telling Kirk, my bad, that just can't happen on a good, and it was a good drive where they let Kirk call a lot of the offense at the line, if you notice. Um, So that was interesting. But those two drives right there, just massive, massive plays. And then Kirk later in the second half, just was off. I mean, I mentioned the play to Irv earlier. That was in the first half, the little two-yard dump off instead of running. But then the forced run in the second half, and then the two interceptions, um, you know, the one where it was very underthrown down the left sideline. I think he was looking for Thielen on that play. And then obviously the one in the end zone trying fade after fade to Justin Jefferson. Slay almost had three picks on that drive, uh, but he only needed one obviously to end the drive, and 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 he got it. Um, an all out blitz where you know Kirk didn't loft uh, didn't put enough on the ball. That ball needs to either be incomplete or caught by JJ. But I didn't really love the play calling there either. How do you not have like a quick slant going to the end zone? How do you not run the ball when you have first and goal? And and what did those plays come off of those plays came off of a blocked field goal which uh, you know unfortunately you know people are making fun of Chris Boyd for not being able to outrun the holder Chris Boyd is actually one of the fastest guys on this team probably uh, second fastest behind Kanne Wangwu but uh, he had to actually pick up the ball so he had come to a dead stop almost to pick up the ball and then you know the holder was already you know in a full in a full sprint so he got him um, but the Vikings couldn't score off that. And and then, you know, you get the, the lucky pick, you know, bounces off the running back's hands off pressure, by the way, which we didn't see enough of. The defense was pretty passive all game. Not enough pressure on her. got some hits on him, but not enough consistent pressure. And, you know, the ball pops up in the air. Hicks uh, against his former team. He actually was a Super Bowl champion with Philly in 2017, but he was out for most of the year injured. Uh, he gets the pick brings it back inside the 10 they have first and goal and they don't score off that so two sudden change plays there in the second half the blocked field goal the interception and the Vikings get zero points off of those even though they were in field goal range immediately after both of those plays uh that just can't happen uh so they, they were horrible off sudden changes um could not could not cash in and you know the black field goal the pick the, both of those plays at the time you felt like okay if the Vikings score a touchdown here, they can at least capture back some of the momentum. They can maybe get back into this game late, and it just did not happen. So that's, I think, honestly, a positive thing where, you know, if they make any one of those, I just mentioned four or five plays, they make any one of those, it's a different ballgame. Again, do they win? Likely not, but it may not look quite as bad as, as the score did and as it, as it felt um, after that game.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree with you for the most part. I mean, I think that there were opportunities that were, that were then not cashed in on because of mental lapses. We talked about Jefferson. We talked about, you know, uh, you know the way he ran that route. We talked about Irv dropping and you know, some of Kirk's throws and decision-making. Um, and clearly that would have been a decision. I mean, the, you know, O'Connell does not call that timeout. If he's not feeling the pressure of the score, because, you know, you know, if this game is only a touchdown, cut it into half and getting the ball in the second half. So you're, I, I agree with all of that. I think. To the point about Kirk and, and, you know, and anyone who's listened knows that I'm a pretty big defender of Kirk. I'm, I like to think of myself as not blindly defending him, uh, but I can yeah, me, and you, me and you are
0: pretty in lockstep with him.
1: Yeah. And I can be pretty critical of what I think of as the blind hatred of Kirk. But I I do think where some of the the blind haters of Kirk have, um, you know, make some legitimate criticisms is he has a tendency in when things are going wrong, not to be able to kind of settle and figure it out. I I think even if you ask Mm -hmm. Kirk, you know, people who are Kirk defenders, if if it's 28 to three, as Brady famously faced, I don't think any of us really believe Kirk can bring you back from that game. Only because when things, when everything's going wrong, he hasn't shown the ability to calm and reset and start fighting back. That's different than, okay, you're down by one score and the defense gave it up. Do you have the ability to go up and pull points on the board? He's shown repeatedly as the ability to do that. Um, But it's different to calm yourself when everything seems to be going wrong. And that's what seemed to happen to him. And it happened to the whole team. So when those big plays, as you're talking about, I think where it really makes a difference is not just in terms of the score difference. But I think this team really believes in KOC and really believes in the cultural change. And they were riding high off of week one. They, They thought, hey, we're actually good. And I think emotionally they got checked in this game. And it was like, oh, maybe our, you know, shit doesn't stink or stinks more than we, we thought it did. And, you know, we, we had to eat some humble pie and they didn't know how to emotionally adjust to that. Um, and that's something they'll get better at. But I, I think it speaks to the if the plays you were made that you referenced I agree it's a different game, not just because of the literal score, but because of the body language and mood of the players on the so- sideline because they wouldn't have gotten so humbled and checked out.
0: Yeah, I uh, the one, the one uh, game where Kirk did bring him back from a very large deficit that I can remember just off the top of my head was the Denver game uh, at home a few years ago. That was 2019, I believe, and um, they were down, I think, 20 to nothing at the half of that game and he did not panic and actually let him back. That was the loudest I've ever heard us bank stadium in the regular season. It was just total pandemonium in there. awesome to be at that game. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I do agree with, with most of what you said right there. Uh, the, the thing that worries me a little bit in this game or just, just coming out of it is, you know, what do other teams potentially look at and try to try to, take Justin Jefferson away. And the the Vikings could not adjust to it. Um, Like I said, Adam Thielen targeted not until the fourth quarter. KJ Osborne got, you know, one nice first down catch. He was barely targeted. Those two were non factors for most of that game. And that just cannot happen. It was being Philadelphia was clearly keyed in on Jefferson and uh, the, the Vikings just couldn't sustain enough drives. I think the six carries for Dalvin cook, you know, people look to that, but they, I mean, they really couldn't get them much more considering the score and considering the fact that they just could not sustain drives in the first half. There felt a little bit like last year when they were tied for the league lead in three and outs, normally they would start games. Well, and then in the, in the middle have three, four straight three and outs. They did that to start the game this time. And uh, you just can't do that on the road against a good team like, like Philadelphia. So um, that, that, that does worry me a little bit. Uh, the offense being a little bit slow to go here because they scored in the first possession of the season a touchdown in 19 drives since they've scored only two touchdowns. So, you know, they there's now, you know, you come home for a big game against Detroit, which we'll get into momentarily. Uh, you you don't have as much room for error. You gotta get you gotta get this offense going. And obviously there's gonna be an adjustment. First time head coach, Kevin O'Connell calling the plays, Uh, Kirk adjusting to a new offense along with the rest of the team um, again here. So and then defensively, defensively, you know, there were there were receivers open, like I said, in the middle of the field all game long. And it seemed like, you know, listening to uh, Ben Lieber brought this up over the course of this week. In the Philly-Detroit game, Detroit really brought its linebackers downhill and said, we're going to come after Jalen Hurts. They got some pressure on him, forced some mistakes, but they got burned as well in that game. Hurts had like 90 yards rushing. The, the Eagles overall had like 200 yards rushing or more in that game. So, um, you know, it didn't work for the Lions. They, they were almost over aggressive. The Vikings linebackers couldn't really decide whether to play the run or pass. They kept the two safeties deep, and Hurts was just happy aside from that one bomb to, to more where, where there was a breakdown in communication between Dantzler and, and Bynum and actually it seemed people thought at the time it was Bynum's fault. I am starting to think it was uh, uh, Cameron Dantzler's fault based on what I had heard. And then he he got benched later in the game for a Caleb Evans um, or, you know, maybe not benched, but they wanted to work in a Caleb Evans and and Cam's still going to be, be the starter, but, you know, I think de- defensively, uh, Ed Donatel certainly has, has some adjustments to make. They're not going to face an offense like this, really, the rest of the season. Um, but if they see Philly, Philly again, they're going to have to play him completely differently because defensively, uh, Hertz was just able to pick him apart. And he's not known for his accuracy, yet you look up early in the first quarter and he was like 10 for 10. So it, it, was, uh, it was not a good performance defensively.
1: Totally agree. I mean, they do, they face an offense better than this in the Buffalo Bills. Uh, so, I mean, that yeah. I'm very different, different,
0: but different, but yeah, difference, better overall.
1: But, yeah. but still Josh Allen has the running ability and, you know, yeah. the, I mean, they look unstoppable right now. So, I mean, I'm very scared for that game. Uh, it's good that it's later in the season and we have the opportunity to really, you know, try and get better. But um, I agree with you. I mean, the the defensive scheme just seemed like a disaster. I mean, it, it just I, – I get that the idea with the, you know, two-eye safeties is, you know, you're going to give up some stuff shorter and that that's, you know, acceptable. But, I mean – But the linebackers
0: our, were in no man's land. That's the problem. The
1: linebackers <laughs> were in no man's land. Yeah. We were getting no – we weren't getting any pressure. I totally agree with you. You know, we talked last week about how you got to try and get some pressure to get, you know – get hurts disrupted yes he might break some runs as a result and you do your best to contain but they weren't bringing any pressure and he had all the time in the world our d backs let's be honest are not good enough to just stay with guys all day when Hertz has as much time as he wants and you're giving him a lot of stuff under the other thing that was really confusing to me is and i we were going for especially in the first half on you know this first couple of drives our guys kept going for strips and yeah. so there were numerous plays where they've got an extra five yards um, that was kind of backbreaking because we were going for the strip. And I it just it was different than the first game where it was just sort of like just tackle and execute uh, and 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 we'll figure it out. Because when you're getting those extra five yards, I mean, that that motivates an offense that makes them feel like they're unstoppable. Um, whether, the, you know, and it's the fewer plays they have to, you know, run and, and be successful at to get in the end zone. So I, I'm with you that Ed Donatel really has to sit down this week and say, man, uh, was that do we need to do something different here? Because that um, that was just a disaster defensively across the board. And, and some people are going to say, well, they played better in the second half. And you know what? When you're up like that, it's a totally different game. You completely change your offense, sometimes to your detriment, and letting yeah. your foot off the gas. Pedal. And they play better.
0: And, I mean, zero points allowed, but one, they blocked field goals. De- you know, yeah.
1: And it, it's deceptive when you're when you're yeah. when you're up twenty-four to seven, and you're trying to milk the clock. Right. Uh, you know, you're you, versus playing. You know, fast like they did those first couple of drives, where our defense was just getting gassed and gashed. So, I mean. yes, they gave up zero points, but I I just, it, to me, it's a little deceptive because when you, when you're up and the Vikings keep turning the ball over, it just, you kind of, you go into coast and complete mode versus keeping your foot on the gas pedal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you actually look at the numbers, when the Vikings did bring some more blitzes in the second half, Hertz's numbers weren't as good. So yeah you you can't let hurts hurts when he's on the run and having to throw on the run certainly when he's running to run he's he's dangerous but when he's he's trying to throw on the run his accuracy goes way down as it does with most quarterbacks but he's he's still a progre- progressing as a passer and they didn't really make him try to try, they, they didn't force him to try to use those those skills on the run he was able to sit back there most of the day like i said they got some hits on him late but the pressure came too late in most cases they got a couple sacks dj wanham had one i think they had one other when he didn't get back to the line of scrimmage but uh overall not enough pressure put on on hertz in that game and you do have to credit philly's o-line like i said that's one of the top units uh, probably top three o-lines in football um let's move on from that disaster and talk about the detroit lions uh, matt and i will be attending this game together uh, hopefully it's better than the last game we we went to together. Uh, when, when Josh Allen made his name known to the National Football League, leapt over Anthony Barr, the Vikings, I think, were almost 20-point favorites in that game and lost the game. Uh, not only didn't cover, lost the game at home, and uh, that was in 2018. Uh, Kirk's first year with the Vikings, Allen's rookie year. Um, not a good one. Not a good one to say the least but hopefully this one is better, but Detroit's coming in very confident. They just beat uh, the Washington commanders uh, pretty, pretty handily. Uh, they almost came back and beat Philadelphia. They had two home games to start the year. So this is road game. Number one for uh, hard knocks uh, Dan Campbell. And a lot of people uh, fell in love with the Detroit lions on hard knocks. I didn't get to watch that. Just saw some, some clips, but Detroit's a much improved team. Uh, they only won three games last year, yet they were in a lot more. It's kind of, surprising that they only won three considering the fact that they they gave most teams a fight week in and week out including the vikings they almost had the vikings beat at us bank stadium kirk led a last second drive uh, and a long 55 yard i think it was field goal by greg joseph won that game late after detroit had a two-point conversion to take a one-point lead inside of 40 seconds left in the game uh so that was almost a loss and then the one at detroit was a loss amon ross st brown who's developing into a fantastic wide receiver. I don't say that just because he's a USC guy. He is really good. Uh, Watch out for him in this game. He's progressing steadily and steadily and, and uh, Detroit feels like they can come in and win this game. Their defense has given up over 30 points per game. That seems to be the area where the Vikings might be able to get right here and get Thielen and Osborne and cook more involved this week in this game. In addition to, of course, JJ, but, uh, but what are your thoughts going into this one?
1: Well, first, let me take a shot at USC and say, how did they win so few games having I'm on St. Ra and Pittman and Drake London? Uh, I mean, it's like, <laughs> c- c- come on. That, that, like anyone should be able to win uh, college football, having those three. Well, but anyway,
0: I won't take a shot at the current head coach of Georgia Southern, but.
1: Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we but pulled I, off a nice upset <laughs> recently,
0: but. They did. they uh, they did. not enough uh, not enough wins, upsets, or as favorites at USC. But I like our coach. But we,
1: yes, uh, but we'll I digress there. I, let's be honest. this Lions team is tougher and grittier and you know than they've ever been. They're stronger in the trenches, in particular the offensive line than they've ever been they seem to play for each other similar to what we were seeing in the praises of KOC after week one, there seems to be a cultural change there uh, for the better. They're not, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be, you know, a team that goes and wins nine games and gets into the playoffs. Like some people are predicting uh, this year, but I think that they, you know, they are safely going to win in that six to seven range and be way more competitive. Um, they still have a ways to go. Uh, so this is going to be a tough game. I think the biggest thing for the Vikings, you said, you know, the, the vulnerability for Detroit is still on defense. It uh, we're, We should on paper be a nightmare matchup for any defense. Uh, I think this sounds so, you know, cliche and simple. They just got to go out and have fun balling out. You know, so don't you know? Don't get sucked into the the equivalent of the Randy ratio and trying to get JJ the ball. You know, he's gonna get open. You're gonna get him the ball. You know, just just relax, mix things up, get creative, have fun, let the game flow. Because if you do that, all of a sudden it's gonna you know it's gonna slow down, and all of a sudden we're gonna realize you know, KJ's open on this play because they decided to double JJ and, you know, and really focus in on Thielen. Oh, Thielen got open on this, you know, play, you know, and, Oh, you know, JJ, we designed the play well. Oh, and now you're throwing Dalvin back in and you're near mixing it up. I mean, it just, they need to be free flowing and loose and having fun. And then with that trusting Kirk to be able to do that. And if he gets into a groove, like he did in the first game and is loose, the offense is going to put up points and they're going to do well if they start micromanaging it and getting tight and then, you know, overcompensating and, and and getting nervous. And, you know, there were plenty of plays where Kirk was letting the ball go in the Philly game earlier than he needed to, you know, because clearly he was just, you know, off. So if they do that offensively, I think they'll be fine. I think defensively, they're they're gonna give up some points. They're they're gonna give up certainly give up some yards. Detroit's gonna really try and run. I, I do think Swift though is you know, Swift is good. I, I think it's you're it's gonna require us to figure out how to contain um you know Amon Ross and Brown, and it is also gonna require us to put pressure on Goff. Um, he's shown that if you put pressure on him. Yeah, he he's not a bad quarterback uh, and, and he and he is a you know he's been doing it for a while. But if you can put pressure on him, he will turn the ball over. he will force some stuff. Um, and so they really just have to figure out how to creatively do that uh, and get that defensive line going again, who should be hungry after a, a poor performance against Philly.
0: Yeah, Goff has been very good if going back to last year, middle of the year, but if you look when he came to Detroit, and I heard their their voice. Uh, Dan Miller, who's really good, he was on with PA on KFAN earlier this week, and and he's he made the excellent point. Yeah, you, you know when Goff got traded, he had to watch the guy who he got traded for Matthew Stafford first through the first half of last year. He was the MVP. It later went on to win the Super Bowl, but Stafford was playing at a really high level early in the year, and and Goff had to watch that while getting used to Detroit as well. But he played very well in the second half of the year in large part because Amon Ross St. Brown emerged. And if you – Kevin O'Connell coached Jared Goff for a year in L.A. in 2020. And if you, if you uh, let him stand back there, he can make all the throws. There's a reason he was the first pick in the draft. Like you said, if you pressure him, he will make mistakes. But he, he's been making all the throws so far. DeAndre Swift, very talented, questionable with an ankle injury, but he's going to go. Most likely uh, Jonah Jackson, though, is out of this game. Their left guard is really good. Frank Ragnow, Minnesota's own, one of the best centers in football, probably top three, maybe the top center in football. He's questionable, but on the positive side, he's likely to go in this game. So they're a little beat up up front. Aiden Hutchinson as well, the rookie out of Michigan, number two pick in the draft who fell to them because Jacksonville didn't take him um, first overall. Uh, they took uh, Walker from from Georgia um i believe and but but hutchinson had three sacks last week against washington not all of them created on his own carson wentz kind of stepped into a couple of them but still three sacks as a rookie you have to pay attention to that very talented player they're physical up front that's what what to watch for in this game and then swift he can get going um they're going to put a lot of guys on the line of scrimmage and if you miss on swift he makes one cut he could be gone um so swift very talented player um, but it, it's going to be up to this Vikings offense. I think we said early on in the season, the Vikings offense needs to carry this team. Totally new defensive scheme, 3 4 base for the first time in over 40 years with the Vikings. Totally new scheme. It's going to take some time to get used to it, even with Sidarius and Daniil Hunter applying the pressure from the edges and sometimes up the middle. Sidarius is really good, rushing from the inside as well. So I, I think you do need to put pressure on Goff in this game, but the offense should be able to feast. Uh, for the most part, as long as, you know, one of those guys up front like Hutchinson doesn't wreck it uh, for for does doesn't doesn't wreck the game uh, for the Detroit Lions. But I think, you know, these games lately, they've been low scoring slug fests. I think this one may be a more high scoring slug fest, but uh, but it's not going to be easy at all. But this is a huge game because you want to win the division. You have to win your home games. You have nine home games. The extra one this year. Green Bay won 13 games each of the last three years. Yes, they don't have Devontae Adams. Yes, they have to acclimate to some young receivers, but that defense, despite their week one troubles against JJ, very talented, and you cannot drop home games, whether they're division games or otherwise. You just can't drop them, and the Vikings have a tough road schedule. They can win all nine at home, pick off three, four on the road, then they're looking good, but uh, you can't drop a home game here, especially in division to Detroit. I think the Vikings win by three in a high-scoring game. What do you think?
1: Uh, I feel similar. Um, you know, I, I'm. I'll, I'll tweak yours slightly and go. We win by four. <laughs> so okay. I, 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 I'm going to. Thirty-one twenty-seven.
0: How about go like
1: that? Yes. that's uh you read my mind that's what i'm gonna go with although i'm a little nervous i picked 31 points for the vikings last week uh and that did not go very well so um it well the lions
0: are averaging giving up 32 so that that sounds like a good number yeah
1: Uh, especially at
0: home you better get it done
1: yeah so i i so that's what i'm gonna stick with 31 27 i think you're right i think the defense is gonna um you know it, it is gonna be a little bit of a struggle but they'll do enough to get pressure, uh, on Goff that he'll make some mistakes or, and some drives will stall. Um, and I think the offense will get back on track, uh, enough to get it done because it's at home. They'll feel confident. Uh, they'll feel the energy of the crowd, uh, most notably from us, uh, getting really loud. Um, and they'll, you know, they'll come off of getting humbled and realize that, uh, They got to keep working and uh, get back to playing what they did in the first game. But I think they'll, they'll get it done uh, against a tough Detroit team.
0: All right. That does it for this week. We'll be back to talk with you next week before the early London game. I think it starts around 8 AM central time against the new Orleans saints. They hated saints next week in London. That's a saints home game. So big game here with the big difference between one and one. Or one and two, and two and one, and hopefully uh, we're talking about the two and one Vikings leading into that London game next week. For Matt Galvan I'm Marshall Kellner. Talk to you next time. Bye bye.